This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. This week's edition of Tom's Talks features Sixers forward Danny Green. Not too many basketball players have a resume with three NBA championships with different teams and an NCAA title as well. Green has been part of a Sixers starting group that has been near perfect record-wise when they're all together. Danny was nice enough to join us from Arizona during the 76ers Western Conference road trip. Here's Danny Green. Welcome to another edition of Tom's Talks, and it is a pleasure to talk to Sixers guard forward Danny Green, who joins us from Phoenix as the Sixers are out on this Western Conference road trip. And Danny, thank you so much. I know it was a long night for you getting from Portland to Phoenix that's life in the NBA that a lot of people don't realize, the late arrivals and the, uh, you know, some of those things. Everyone thinks it's so glamorous. And don't get me wrong. You guys are, are treated really well. I know this is an unusual year, but that right there, the early arrivals, something that people don't realize, right? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it snowed in Portland on our way out. So we got delayed a little bit leaving or getting up in the air. Um, so we'd end up getting here till about 4 a.m. But, you know, that's the life of, of that's part of the jobs, life of an NBA. Um, and some nights it's going to be like that. Not often nights, but we got in here late. Um, luckily, we had the day off to be able to take care of our bodies, relax and rest a little bit. Uh, still got to get tested at some point during the day. But, um, yeah, we took a tough loss and we have two more games road trips. So we're trying to finish it out strong and hopefully uh, win the next two before we go back home to Philly. Just to piggyback on that for one second, and you've been around long enough to remember the four games and five nights, which typically involve West Coast travel. And for the Spurs, maybe it was up here in the East. But there were nights you'd go to bed like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and you were off a day. And then the next two nights might be the same. Like the sleep and the deprivation, that's like one of the big things. I know there's been a huge push on the hydration and recovery. But speak about that. That's where you really have to take care of your body, correct? Oh, for sure. Uh, most recovery is done after the game and while you're in the air and before you – because most nights, I said, on road trips and even at home, 
Uh, most guys don't go to sleep right after the games. You know, they're watching the game, thinking about it, things they did wrong, could have did well, or how how well they did do. Um, so most guys are. I said I don't sleep after the games right away. It's a little harder to sleep after the games. So most guys are going three or four in the morning, and it's depending on if you're flying or traveling. It's gonna be five, six in the morning. Uh, so hydrating, uh, getting your rest, getting you know time for treatment is very key uh, when it comes to during these times, especially said when you're on the road. Um, so yeah, uh, it says part of our, we don't really have a sleep schedule um, during the year, you know, it's based off of how your games are. So it's kind of adapt and adjust to when you can get sleep, when you can take naps and when you can take care of your body. So, you know, there is no real clock for us. We have to just figure it out on the fly. So big picture with the Sixers so far this year, you know, it's such an unusual season and you were in the bubble last year and we'll talk about that, but you have to feel pretty good for how you guys are doing at this stage of the season with everything that's going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially with the fact that we've had COVID issues. We've had guys out. We've had groups out. We had a lot of guys injured, sick. Um, but when our starting five has played, uh, we've won a, a good amount of games. So, yeah, even with that, those things, those issues coming apart, we've been playing pretty well. Obviously, we want to be better. We want to do better. Uh, we want to never be satisfied. And we're not playing for right now. We're playing for, you know, or June, July, and August now, I guess, or May, June, and July, because uh, usually it's May and June, but the season's different now. So we're playing for the end of the season and getting prepared for that. And we know that we have a good group, um, just still learning, uh, learning and losses, obviously, learning how to win, uh, keep that mature atmosphere of, of being able to, you know, not play down to our talent level or play down to our opponent, uh, opposing team's level if they're not as talented or if they have bodies out, because we've lost to Portland twice now and when they had bodies out. So you know, we got to find ways to win down the stretch. Um, and find ways to stay focused and locked in. We have guys out, and when other teams have guys out, we don't play down to, I said, our opposing team's level. You're a solid all-around player, very good professional player. You've won at every single stop, and again, we're going to get into that. But you're a star in your role, especially in today's NBA with the three and the D, where, you know, that corner jump shot, guarding one of the best perimeter players on the opposing team, like, a big chunk of your career has married or meshed, if you will, with how the NBA game changed over the last five or 12 years. Isn't that right? For sure. Um, and my focus is winning games. Not necessarily, obviously, you want to play well, you perform well, have individual numbers and stats and efficiency. Uh, but sometimes you have to give that up. You have to sacrifice those things to make the team better. And at this point in my career, I, I know, obviously, I would love to score points, but that's not what they need me here to do. They need me here to be balanced. And when it comes to Guys doubling Joe have to be a four spacer and, and play defense, but also be the guy that helps to get the ball moving and keep the ball moving. So because um, we'll get stagnant, we won't have good offense. I have to get guys in position or talking through it on defensively, make sure that we're communicating and rotating the way we need to. Um, so yes, that, that comes with sacrificing some of the things that, you know, in your younger years you would uh, want to achieve, want to do. Uh, but, yeah, so winning, winning is, is, is my main focus. Um, and I said, as, as you as you grow as a player, you start to understand your roles and what you're good at, what your strengths are. And um, you just got to be more self-aware of who you are and what you become and what they bring you in to do. And you got to be able to accept that role. Um, a lot of kids, obviously younger ones, they're like, all right, I understand the role, but I can know, I want to show that I can do more. Um, obviously there's moments to do that, but when you're trying to win, you have a, a team that you're a contender, you should just do what you're, what you're you know, put in place to do and try to do the best of your ability. And obviously when you can do a little more, you can, but don't try to force the issue. What you just described uh, about playing the right way and, and doing what's necessary. In other words, for the Sixers, for Joel to throw it out of a trap, to move it to the wing, for that guy to throw it to the top, swing, swing to the corner to you or Seth or whomever. Basketball is like art. It can be a thing of beauty. So you're solving a 
a puzzle and then executing and, and making that ball swing around and, and swishing a three. That's the beauty of the sport right there, isn't it, in part? Sure. Um, Doc has a term for it. I won't reveal it, but, you know, as coaches, you know, his their coaches' fantasy type of thing. So um, when you see the ball movement the way it does and, and guys making shots and sharing and playing with each other and, and making the right cuts and making the right passes, making the right play, giving up a good shot for a great shot, um, it's, a, it's a coach's dream. So, you know, he enjoys it. We enjoy it. I enjoy it at this point in my career in this level because I don't care about scoring. But as long as we get the, the best shot for us, um, a lot of times, nine times out of ten, you're going to make the shot if you give up a good shot for a greater shot. One of the things that's made the Sixers successful so far this year is success down the stretch. As somebody who's been in the winner's circle when it's all over so many times in your career, in college, in Europe, and three times as a pro, when you guys do it in the fourth quarter and execute and take a play to the second and the third option and see the results and then come away victorious knowing that you've done it, does that work like muscle memory where it kind of clicks in? And as athletes, you know, man, we've been down this road before. We're going to do this collectively. We're going to make it happen. Does it pay off like that? Does it work like that? For sure. If you build those habits and that's what we're trying to do, we're trying to build those habits here in this organization in this atmosphere. Um, obviously, we're still learning it. Uh, we've executed. We've done it. Um, but we want to do it time and time again and have it to where we're used to being in those situations where there is no second guessing. There is no thinking. We're, we're just you know playing the way we're supposed to play and, and you know, executing. Um, so, yeah, down the stretch, of course, we want to continue to, to play at a high level. We want to win games and execute. Um, and right now, I said, obviously, with Portland, there's, there's going to be some games where we're going to have some take some hits or some losses. But the biggest thing is just making the winning plays. And, and that happens not just in the fourth quarter, but the plays. The quarter's previous, but definitely in the fourth quarter. You got to get on loose balls. You got to get the 50 50s. Uh, you got to get the rebounds. You got to get the steals. You got to get the stops. Um, and that's what it comes down to in the fourth quarter down the stretch. One of the reasons the Sixers brought you to this ball club is what you bring to the table. We just talked about that ability to to score and guard, but leadership. And with that leadership, it's not just coming out of a timeout. It might be on a bus. It might be in the locker room. It might be on a plane. It might be at a walkthrough. It might be in the hotel after a chalk talk or whatever. And it means so much more from a player like yourself that's still contributing at a high level. Like certain guys are, are, are kind of hanging around in the NBA and you're like, yeah, but you're the 15th guy. Can, you know, so talk about that as somebody who's right next to these guys in the foxhole with them and able to share your expertise and your leadership experience. For sure. I think it goes to for all you know, guys that's been in this league, even if you're a 15th guy, if you've been in this league long enough for 10 or 15 years, because there's guys like Jared Dudley uh, whose voice really matters. It, it all depends on your locker room and the guys that respect you. So you got to earn their respect. And a lot of these guys, thankfully, in this locker room and even throughout the league, still respect me as a not just a person that understands the game, but as a player that can contribute on the floor. Um, so if you have that type of respect from those guys, they'll listen. Um, and you just hope that they'll they'll learn from you and hope that they'll grow. And by the end of the year, they'll take everything they learn and, and that make themselves and our team better. So let's go back uh, through your championship pedigree. And the most recent was last summer in August of 2020 in Orlando with the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm -hmm. They win their 17th championship. You beat Miami in six games. To watch LeBron and Anthony Davis and for your team in Los Angeles to come together, climb the mountain in the most unusual of circumstances in the history of the NBA and win that title, what was it like? It was tough, man, I'm not going to lie, um, but it was all worth it. When it was all said and done, um, all the pain, all the struggle, all the emotional, mental, and physical 
uh, that we went through. Um, when you're able to raise that Larry O'Brien trophy, it makes it all worth it. You get home and, you know, your body's aching and sore, but um, it was a rough uh, roller coaster. And that's from league shutting down, restarting multiple times, people that are close to us passing away that we lost uh, due to COVID and other, you know, things. Um, um, the China incident where, you know, we went there. There's so much going on throughout that whole season, that whole year. And then the bubble, which was mentally, emotionally draining more than anything and physically playing over the day uh, was not easy. So but being able to come out on top made it all worth it. Uh, but that year was one of the most unbelievably tough mentally, emotionally, physical years that we all remember because it was the toughest one. And, and I think for us, um, so we won't forget it, but we'll always remember it as one of our toughest, hardest years and uh, biggest achievements. It's funny because before the bubble, as we waited for play to resume, people like whatever, sportscasters, pontificators were saying, well, this season will have an asterisk. Well, yeah, it, it had an asterisk because what you just described, it was more more difficult really than, than any other. So like the year the before, you're with the Raptors mm -hmm. and you're with Kawhi and, and Pascal Siakam and, and Kyle and Marcus Gasol. And before beating – both Milwaukee and the Warriors, you had the game with the Sixers. Game seven, walk us through that. It's it's Sunday in Toronto. It's both teams are tied at three, and Kawhi hits a corner jumper over Joel right by your bench, bounces four times and goes in. It was like a dagger to the Sixers, and for you guys, it helped to propel the Raptors to the eventual NBA championship. Tell us. Oh, about that. that series was the most. It was probably the toughest series that we had. I'm not saying other teams weren't good, but going seven games and almost going into overtime. Because we went into overtime, you guys had the whole, the whole momentum. Um, you guys had Jimmy, JJ, and obviously Tobias, Joel was rolling. Ben uh, had a deep team, and they were playing very well. Uh, we were up, and then next year, you guys started making a run, coming back. Jimmy started, you know, doing what he does, and then defensively said, um, making some plays. But luckily, said Kawhi came out. Uh, knocked down a big shot and it kind of gave us new life because that whole series we struggled uh, with finding rotations, finding guys that could play against the big guards you guys had, finding out how we want to attack them. Um, so it was a chess game. And I think Brett Brown, credit to him, he did a great job of figuring out how he wanted to play or, or guard us or also attack us. Uh, so it, it was tough to figure out, but you know, Kawhi hitting that shot gave us new life um, for obviously extending our season, but to kind of be refreshed and start over a new series with guys having a different attitude and, and picking up their games, like a Fred Van Fleet, um, who in the Philly series didn't really have much of a chance to impact it. But in the next series against Milwaukee, came alive and damn near you know, got some final MVP votes because of how well he started playing uh, after having his son. So, um, you know, that, that shot was a historic, legendary, and it gave us new life and it allowed us to actually get a chance to win a title. It gave us a chance to win a title because if that didn't happen, we might not have been the last team standing. I'm going to delve off a, a little bit here because you mentioned Freddie Van Fleet becoming a dad and just the whole exhilaration that comes with that. Uh, and then he was close to Rockford uh, in that Milwaukee series. And, and I go back a little bit to, I believe it was my first year in the NBA. And Hakeem Olajuwon, who's Muslim, was uh, going through the fasting and all the things that come with Ramadan. So it was February that particular year. And, you know, how they fast um, the whole day until sunset. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, man, this guy's got to be on fumes. How could he? Well, he won. Player of the month, look it up. So I think it would have been like 96. And so John Lucas was our coach at the time. And I'm sure you know Luke. And mm -hmm. we had this debate and it was, 
I'm like, I know, but he was spiritually lifted. And so that, that incident, that focus, that singular focus that comes from his personal life and his religious belief, to me, it helped catapult him. And I'm speaking for Hakeem, but, and it sort of in a different way, did the same thing. Can something like that off the court, because sometimes if you're not right off the court, it can go off the rails. Talk about that a little bit. Definitely, man. I think you see these, these, these great games come from these guys when they have these type of life experiences because it gives them their energy an extra boost. Um, and also it gives them a carefree attitude where they just go out and play f- and have fun. You know, when people have children or um, God forbid somebody passes as a tragic, you know, they go out and play with more emotions or play with more, you know, uh, passion for the game. Um, uh, when great things happen and even when bad things happen, even though it sucks, uh, but, and they're playing for something or for someone um, for that night. Um, that's when so their whole, they leave everything out on the floor. But a lot of those things can repel their energy in a good way, some in a bad way, or some more just a motivated, angry way um, to where they have an unbelievable night. But, um, you know, for Freddie to have a kid and some other people have babies, like, in a, in a great way, it helps them to propel themselves and their energy, even though they're up all night. But to, to have that, you know, carefree, you know, have fun, bring basketball back to a passionate, when they were youth, youthful days and not worrying about anything else um, allows them to just, you know, play their game and also play at a high level with a lot of confidence. So let's talk about San Antonio and, and winning the championship with the Spurs. And, and at that time, they were the gold standard in the NBA for a big chunk of that uh, year from 2010 until now. And for you, you know, you had to spend time in, at the time, the, the NBA G League or the Development League. You went overseas, with, as I mentioned, in Slovenia. So to get into the finals and be a champion after having gone through some struggle to get to that level, what was that? That, that must have been a very rich experience for you with San Antonio. Oh, definitely, man. I mean, it's my first one. You know, you dream of that stage as a kid. You never think you'd be an NBA, let alone play an NBA final stage and win a championship. So uh, going through all that. And then we went to the finals previous that year and lost uh, and able to play and also be on a starting starting team and then come back and play in the finals the second year and actually win. It was a very surreal moment, man. So the roller coaster ride, and I try not to think about it, reflect too much each each year. I try to do it in the summertime because I don't want to be too satisfied. I want to get back to the grind and, and stay hungry. Uh, but every time I think about it, where I've come from to now and to at that point, um, said growing up as a kid, just imagining being on the final stage and winning an NBA championship, be able to do that and bring the trophy back home to my family, my hometown. It was unbelievable, man. And it was like it was a dream come true that I've always dreamed about since I was you know five, six year old kid. So that was when you say you went to the finals the year before. That was the year that Ray Allen hit. It looked like the Spurs were seconds away from winning the title. And yet Miami, it's a huge shot from Ray Allen. And then Miami wins the championship, right? And we lost. And in 2014, we came back to win. Right. For that team, and I always reference this, you know, like you weren't going to get validation like the next month. It, it, It took 11 months later for that Spurs team to get in position. And they had that whole thing about pound the rock. I mean, as an athlete, that is, to me, one of the greatest examples of sticking with it, putting in the time, at good days add up, and put yourself in a position to change the course of what had happened the year before. That had to be a tremendous learning experience. Oh, for sure, man. And, and like I said, even now, um, we're preparing for that time. So that whole year was rough for us. We played with a chip on our shoulder in every game that we played, every team that we played, every possession we prepared as if we were playing in the NBA finals against Miami Heat because uh, we knew if we got an opportunity to get back there, probably going to be that team 
to play because uh, they were the best team in the league at the time. They were, you know, obviously defending champions. Um, so we played every game, and it was a rough year. So even with the coach staff, with the team, the players, uh, they were on us, and we made sure that if we ever got the opportunity again, we were going to take full advantage of it. Uh, but when it finally was done, we were able to do so. It says nothing sweeter, man. So as I've mentioned a couple of times, in 2011, you were in Europe. You were in Slovenia. Walk us through that experience. For sure. I mean, I was only there during the lockout for about four months, so I don't know if they won a championship. They might have won a championship later on. But our team, I was there for half that season. Uh, we struggled early on. We started playing well later. Uh, but we had Davies Bertans on that team, Deion Thompson, another Carolina guy. Uh, you know, we had a couple other Americans with us. Uh, Woodside, my guy Woodside, uh, B. Woody. Um, we had a, a couple of guys that could hoop on that team. Um, but so we had some struggles, some up and downs, you know, the European life. But I was only there for about four months uh, during the lockout. I had to come back and make the team. Uh, but to see them, you know, progress and do well later on uh, showed a lot of character from those guys and that organization. Um, obviously, Sylvania was a different time for me. I would love to go back and visit sometime. I know the, we have the legends from there, obviously Luca, but Goran and, and his brother Zoran and a couple other guys, the Sylvanian uh, legends. Um, but it was a great city. They treated me with a lot of love and respect. And I would definitely treat it as a place that, you know, that helped raise me as a, a professional and a player. Speaking of uh, raising and basketball, Carolina basketball. You spend mm -hmm. four years in Chapel Hill. It, it, it ends with a championship. We all got a kick, of, uh, kick out of the promos the other day where you showed the young Danny Green with the hops and this throwdown. <laughs> uh, everybody was talking about that just uh, a few days ago. Uh, what was that like playing for North Carolina? It was amazing, man. I said, it's where I became a man. It's where I grew up. I learned a lot about not just the game, but about life. Uh, Coach Williams taught us to, to do things the right way on and off the court. Uh, was it it's where a teenager, a young teenage Danny became a, a grown man, learned how to pay bills, do his own laundry, go to class, take care of his business, be on time and do the little things, uh, learn how to save money. Uh, financially do, you know, things the right way, uh, you know, and sit on the court, learn how to play the game, understand and study the game and become somewhat of a, a decent player. So, and work hard, but um, being in that, that Chapel Hill bubble area, it's college town. Um, there's a lot, a lot of love, nothing but, but sports and basketball and Carolina uh, sports. So, um, and obviously the, the rivalries between Duke, which is up the road in Durham and in Raleigh, NC state, uh, so many schools that we played against, um, but yeah, being in that Chapel Hill bubble is nothing like him. It's an amazing experience, and I wouldn't change it for the world. And I love going back whenever I get a chance to, and uh, try to show as much love as I can and return the favor as much as, as much as I can what they did done for me when my time there. We spent a lot of time there when Larry Brown was our coach. We had training camp there, so many times in the Dean Dome, I made sure to go over to Carmichael. Uh, as you say, just a special place. And talk about the college experience, because you did delve into that a little bit, but there's so many young players in the NBA that they spent one year in college, which is not really a wholly rounded, obviously, college experience. But to be a student athlete and be amongst your peers, and, and as you say, you, you gain so much from that that you probably wouldn't have if you would have punched your ticket right into the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't imagine if I went to the NBA at 19, 20 years old. I would have no idea. what I would, so, I would make so many mistakes uh, media-wise, financially, on and off the court. Uh, even on the court, I wouldn't know much of the game. I'd be so raw. But the fact that I was able to grow up and become an adult and learn those things um, throughout college, it gave me an advantage. It made me more of a polished player, but also a polished person uh, to be able to handle myself 
uh, when I got NBA money or when I came into the NBA and had to be a professional. Um, so, yeah, man, uh, I, I tip my hat off to those guys that went straight from high school and those guys only did one or two years and be able to adapt and adjust to it uh, so quickly. And obviously younger kids now way ahead of the game now being political figures, uh, not just you know, sports figures. They have to be political figures, understand, learn about the communities and everything else and give back. I couldn't do that at 19, 20 years. A lot of these guys are doing it between 19 and 23 years old, which said I didn't learn a lot of this. So I got, you know, past 26, 27. Um, and they're way ahead of the game now. Uh, but I was fortunate enough to have, you know, a good foundation of my you know, family and friends and my college peers and to go to school for four years to learn so much and to be ahead of the game. So we delve into your media savviness, if that's a phrase, and inside the green room with your friend Harrison Sanford, and you guys have a podcast, we and do. it's starting to get legs and, and take off. So let's reverse roles a little bit. Like, what's it like hosting a podcast and taking that, taking that angle, if you will? It's fun, man. Um, more fun than I expected to be, and it actually blew up more than I expected to be when Harrison pitched to me. It was Harrison's idea. Um, I wasn't so enthused about it or so confident about it, especially being in San Antonio, they didn't really care to do media or, you know, care for guys to do off court branding stuff for themselves or talk to the media. You know, it wasn't a big thing for us. Even though I didn't, I didn't want it to be a media thing. I wanted guys to be able to, um, I guess, come on the show and be themselves and, and be carefree. And if we want to cut and edit something they don't like, and we'll cut and edit it out. But it's really just us to be able to catch up, learn about a lot of my teammates, a lot of people around me, the cities that I played in. Um, the community um, also to bring light to certain businesses, certain sponsors, um, you know, certain people um, and said, so have a lot of fun to be free with it and talk sports and talk what's going on in the world. And it's been a lot of fun so far. I've had it and still going in, in a lot of fun as well. Um, obviously still have to be professional because I'm still in a certain lane. I can't be doing the same stuff that other guys, retired guys are doing and having fun with it. But I have a great time kicking it and catching up with guys. Um, obviously, there's still some guests I would love to have on the show in an interview. I'm sure there's some guests that people want to hear from. Um, but I, I have an amazing time learning about my teammates um, where, wherever I'm at, when from L.A. to Philly now to into Toronto. Um, to learn so much about them on my podcast than I would, you know, ever think of, you know, just talking to them because you don't ask those certain questions when you're, you know, just in a locker room all the time. Exactly. That's a pretty good plug right there. But how do people get the podcast? Is it Spotify or where you get your podcast? How would you? It's everywhere. I mean, I think we're uh, Green Room Inside on Twitter, uh, Inside Green Room on Instagram. Um, it's on, you know, anywhere you go, Spotify, I think uh, iTunes, you can, you can pretty much search it anywhere inside the Green Room. Uh, with my co-host Harrison Sanford uh, and myself, Danny Green. So you can find it anywhere. I'm going to close with this because I thought that was a really good point that you just made. There are situations like as teammates or even as, as media members, and I so appreciate your candidness to do this with us and the interview. But like you say, you know, a lot of these interviews are just, boy, that was a tough fourth quarter and how are you going to beat Phoenix and whatnot. To be able to sit down and, and have a conversation it's rare anymore. And, and to be able to do that, um, and even like you say, with teammates, you learn a little bit about maybe how somebody grew up or what helped shape them. It's a great way to know people more than just as athletes or just in a given game situation or pregame chat. Wouldn't you agree? I definitely agree, man. That's how I learned more, most about my teammates and their backgrounds, their families, where they grew up in, uh, their children, um, their passions. 
Uh, a lot of guys, what they're thinking about doing after they're done playing or while they're doing playing what businesses they're invested in, um, you know, so many things, man. And a lot of those things, you don't get into detail or get into that depth of conversation when you're on a plane playing cards or on a bench. You know, most of the stuff you talk about during is basketball. You talk about how to guard a guy, how this guy is doing this in sports. Uh, so to dive into their family life on a podcast uh, was is amazing and interesting. And I learned a lot. So it makes me also closer and bond with them better as, as brothers. Well, Danny, as I said, I can't thank you enough. We'll do it again sometime and, and when we're back, uh, if you will. I'm, uh, and I'm in the red zone, or whatever you want to say that, and I'm in the yellow zone at the arena. But thank you so much. Best of luck, and we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you, Danny. If you like what you're hearing, consider subscribing to the 76ers Podcast Network feed or giving us a follow wherever you get your pods. And if that happens to be on Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a rating. I'm Tom McGinnis. Talk to you down the road. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.